Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman, and excited for another episode with our partnership with the University of South Florida's Vinick Sport and Entertainment Management Program, presenting the Sports Biz, uh, Building the Next Generation series. Uh, I'm here with Steve Griggs, uh, CEO of the Tampa Bay Lightning and uh, CEO of the, the Vinick Sports Group. So as you can imagine, uh, Vinick and Vinick, uh, we are excited <laughs> to talk to Steve about not only his career path, but but also uh, some of the things he's learned along the way within leadership and human capital. So we'll dive in. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Hey, appreciate you having me. Appreciate it. Excellent. Absolutely. So, you know, one would ask, like, how did you get to where you are? And I'm sure there's a long-winded, winding story to, to your path, uh, just as everyone else kind of has their own unique story. Uh, but you, you know, you had a couple stints in the cold weather and you've made sure that you've stayed warm since, right? Well, uh, you know, you're in Scottsdale there. I mean, you, you got to understand that you can golf all year round. So why wouldn't I do that? But uh, I'm originally from Toronto. So I was born and raised in the cold weather and uh, you know, worked my way south. So uh, I'm in Tampa now. And, you know, if they get a team in Key West, that'll be my next stop. But uh uh, no, it's, it's been a, an incredible journey and, uh, you know, quite, quite fortunate, blessed. Um, it all starts with who I work with. So, uh, you know, I started in Toronto with the Raptors back in, uh, the early nineties and, uh, was enjoying the last dance for the last couple of weeks. Cause, uh, I lived that watching the, the, the bulls come in to Toronto and, usually whipped us. So that was, uh, but that was fun. Um, but I worked for a gentleman there named Michael Downey, who's now the CEO of Tennis Canada. And so he was my first real mentor. And before we got on the air, we talked about mentors and, um, you know, he, you know, I was ex hockey player, um, did my master's at Ohio university. And then, um, you know, I was on the business side and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I ended up in sales and, um, he really taught me. He was a, you know, at that point in time, they didn't call him brand managers. He was a product manager at a Labatt's and came and worked for us. And he really taught me about strategic planning and the ability to build business plans and decks and, and really being strategic on how you thought about things. And um, I took that and, um, you know, worked my way up with the Raptors and the, and the Maple Leafs. We built Air Canada Center in, in Toronto and from there, um, you know, I got a call to go to Minnesota to work for Todd Lightwicky and starting up another, uh, starting up the Minnesota Wild, uh, building the XL Energy Center. So this will be my second building that I built. And just working for Todd, it was about building culture and building vision and building brand and, and working for Todd. And, and once again, working for one of the best guys in the industry, you know, I, I got blessed. And then from there, he left and went to Seattle uh in Orlando in 07 they were looking to to build a new arena and I went and worked for Alex Martins down there once again working for a great mentor and somebody who taught me how to treat people and be world-class and um you know we built that arena I was there for three years and then uh, I got the call from Todd and then Mr. Vinick uh about coming to Tampa uh J Todd was going to come and he wanted me to meet uh Jeff Vinnick, I met him the day that LeBron decided to take his talents to uh, South Beach. So that was back in 2010. 
and you know, I, I just built a $450 million arena. The basketball team was one of the best teams in the league and went to Tampa with Todd because one, I played hockey and two, I loved Todd and uh, it was getting back to, to my roots a little bit in Tampa, but you know, it was a little bit of a mess there with the brand, the, the arena, the, the culture. Uh, and Todd and I, um, working with Jeff and Steve Eiserman, you know, that was probably some serious heavy lifting over, over five years. Todd left in 2015 and I've been the CEO since, but, uh, you know, then it goes back to the owner and working for one of the best owners in pro sports, if not the best, most benevolent owner I've ever worked for. Um, and once again, working for someone who's, uh, incredible and has been just help, you know, those four leaders have really been transformational in my life. So I wouldn't be sitting here if it wasn't for, for all of them. And, you know, I always, when I'm best friends with Todd Lewicki and, you know, we talk all the time and I always say, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be where I'm sitting if it wasn't for him. Todd's a, Todd's a fantastic human being. And we've had him on the podcast as well, kind of early on in our, our venture with with Andy Dolich and um, I man I'd be mistaking I we had uh, we had an episode with Andy and Steve Patterson talking about owners and now I think we need to do version two with yourself and Steve and Todd and I mean <laughs> the, the 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 chat would probably go on for hours so I might save you from that one but um, you know when you think oh, of, I know what the owner they're talking about there <laughs> They, they, they all share the same experiences to some extent. And yeah. you know, when, when you were talking about all these different uh, fantastic mentors and people that you work for, uh, they obviously had to have had good leadership qualities, right? And good leadership traits. Uh, and when you think back to not only um, the things that you learned along the way from them, but also how you've tried to implement them now as a leader of an organization, what are some of the things that, that stick out to you uh, that you gained not only from them, but then have also developed yourself as well? You know, it's as you go through your journey in life and, you know, you continue to learn each and every day. And I think when I look at those, you know, four different, you know, Jeff as an owner, but my, my three bosses as it relates to, you know, Alex, Todd and Michael, you take a little piece of every single one of them. And, and you try to uh, put those in your toolbox and you have to be your own person as a, as a leader. Um, but you got to take those attributes that you've learned from, you know, like I said, with, with Michael, he was so strategic and, and analytical and, you know, teaching me to, 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 to build business plans and build brands um, to, to Todd, who's, you know, the ultimate cheerleader, the ultimate optimist, uh, building cultures where everyone will run through the wall for them. And then Alex, where, you know, great communication skills, great ability to, um, to um, you know, make you feel like you're the, the only person in the room he's talking to. And so there's the abilities of the, the characters of all of them really bring them all together. And then you have to formulate your own, your own personal brand as a leader as well. And, and so I've tried to tra take all those attributes plus, hopefully some that I've built on my own to, uh, to, to be the leader that I am. And, you know, each and every day we're still learning and, you know, we just got off a one hour call uh, with an, our, all of our staff, about 250 on a zoom call. And we had John Gordon on today and, you know, just 
writing down things as quickly as I could just to understand, you know, just learning every day and taking those types of things and, and moving them into your everyday work. And really, you know, when you become a president or a CEO, you're in the human capital business now. I mean, you probably know how to sell tickets. You probably know how to sell sponsorship. You understand budgets. It's really about how you inspiring and, and, and leading and driving a vision for an organization. Yeah, to that point alone, you know, part of being a leader is being a leader for others to lead others, right? And it's kind of that trickle down effect, almost like a coaching tree to some extent. Yep. Um, how do you process that and think about it from, you know, being at the top? It, it There is a lot of different personalities, different skill sets that you have to try and lead, but then knowing that they have to lead others with the same challenge how do you go about, uh, you know, ultimately approaching that from a, a high level view? I think if, if you set the vision and, you know, we always talk about being a world-class plus organization. Um, and if, if, if everything we want to do is at a, at a world-class level, then and if I keep instilling that in my managers and my leaders, that's got to trickle down. And the more I talk about it, even to the entire organization about being world-class and everything we do, you know, needs to be at a level of excellence, how we treat people. You know, I think that's one of the differentiators of our entire brand in sports is how we treat our fans. Um, but if you don't treat your employees the same way, they're not going to treat the fans that way. And so I've, I've made it, you know, my mission is that it doesn't matter if, you know, we, if you're in the front of house, back of house, you're in sales, box office, part-time, full-time, I, I treat you in a world-class manner. And I do that with my managers, but I also do with every single employee and every single manager hopefully sees that that's how I treat, you know, the ticket taker at section 101. And they feel like they're a part of the mission. They're a part of the, this, the something that bigger than, than individuals hopefully my managers see that and they try to emulate that much like I try to emulate Todd or I try to emulate Alex and how we treat people. It's, it really becomes, you know, a self-fulfilling prophecy. If everyone understands that, you know, it costs absolutely nothing to be nice to people. Yeah. No, that you bring up a great point and, and Andy loves to talk about that as well in the sense of, you know, the people that are going to have to maintain security and health and safety for the venues going forward are going to be practically the most important people we have to rely upon. And if they don't feel a part of the culture or the team to your point, right, you're going to have some problems at the bottom that are going to become a lot bigger at the top. Mm -hmm. I imagine. So, you know, you, you mentioned you're in the human capital business. Can you explain that a little bit for our listenership, just in the sense of, of what you mean by that and, and how uh, our listeners can go about thinking about human capital? You know, we have a motto at our organization that uh, we talk about uh, people being lightning made. Um, and that is everything from, um, you know, development, um, you know, whether it's, you know, we talk about our people ops department, you know, whether it's teaching Franklin Covey, it's, it's, um, you know, seven habits. It, uh, it's learning all the fundamentals of the business, but then also understanding how to, how to sell or how to market or how to communicate, how to manage people, 
the basis of our organization is being world-class. So we've elevated every single employee at their certain level so that they have all the resources to be successful. And by taking that and then elevating it even to the next level with all of our training, it allows people to become accountable, it allows people to become strategic and, and dynamic. So then they become lightning made. And then it's twofold is one, they can continue in the journey of our organization through our entire Vinic Sports Group. Or if they do step out and go to work for another organization, another sports organization, you talk about the coaching tree. It's just that, that, that they've been taught to become world-class. Everything they do is world-class. It's all about excellence. It's all about how they treat people. It's all about their efforts, all about their attitude. They take that and if they take it to another organization, and I've seen it with a number of our employees that have gone on in the last couple of years and that they're, they're having great success at other organizations. I'm, I couldn't be so happy and proud of them because they're lightning made and they're, and they're making a difference at a different organization. Just like, you know, you talk about the Bill Walsh uh, coaching tree back with the 49ers in the day or the Bill Belichick coaching tree. It's, it's that culture that you've created of excellence that they move on and learn how to do things um, at other, or and they take those things that they've learned here, take them to other organizations. Yeah. Ultimately, if you have the best people, it's really hard to keep all of them right? Because there's only so many places for someone like yourself to go, right? There's right. only one of you. Uh, and there's only 29 others or, you know, 31 others, depending on the league. And so when you think about uh, the position you hold now, one might ask, well, Steve's at the top. He, he, he's made it, right? What are you working on as a leader, uh, from a, whether it's day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis uh, of trying to improve not only as a leader, but your skill sets? Well, well, first I'll start with the overall strategy of the organization in that, you know, we've, before COVID, we had maximized um, hockey, uh, hockey revenues in the sense that we're, we've been sold out for 250 consecutive games. Sponsorships at an all-time high. We've sold every suite in the building. And so you have to find other, other um, pieces of the business, whether it's taking on festivals, running other venues. Um, you know, we watched it with AG or Legends or, or um, you know, all those other uh, – type of organizations we started to do that just before covid hit us we were we created vsg facilities vsg global sales and vsg live and we had just launched it and we taken on a number of clients and why i did that was because twofold one is obviously we've got to grow the brand of the organization we've got to insulate the core as well of the organization but really how do we keep those good people and so by by creating opportunities for them to grow within the organization with different parts of our organization that allows us to keep those people. So that's one piece. And, and as far as my personal growth, um, you know, I, I feel I'm still a young CEO, um, but there's so many new things that are coming into the sports industry, e-gaming, um, you know, analytics isn't new, but the continued drive to, to, to take analytics into different parts of the organization, it started in tickets. And now how do we move analytics into all the different uh, pieces, the entire, um, you know, trust real digital platform of TV and what is happening there and how do we, 
So it's a continuing learning the different aspects of the business, especially the emerging at, uh, pieces of the business to make sure I'm at the forefront of those. So we don't, um, we don't fall behind in those areas and become one of those organizations which you've seen, you know, throughout, throughout sports, you're like, well, they're a little bit behind on everything. We try to be ahead of everything and um, be first adopters on a lot of things. So whether it's in the ticketing industry, working with Ticketmaster on all the different aspects to, like I said, working on an OTT that we have as well to uh, Bolts Gaming, to all those different things that are really trying to find new audiences and trying to find new ways to drive revenues for the organization. So to me, it's about consistent continually to learn the new aspects of the business. Yeah, and it's ever evolving and uh, exponentially growing faster and faster uh, each year. When you think about not only just this last couple of months, but you know, over your time period as a leader, what have you learned the most about being a leader over the last couple of years as opposed to what you thought being a leader was when you were kind of growing through the ranks? As, as a leader over the last three or four years, it's, it's really been, um, and there's a new generation in the sports industry right now. There's the young emerging leaders, I like to call them. And uh, I've learned that there is new ways of doing things and listening to those young emerging leaders and, 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 and letting them go and make sure that they know that they can move forward to try things and not have the fear of failure. Um, I think before, as not only as a leader, but being, you know, back in the 90s and 2000s was, this is the way you did things. This is the way you did it in sponsorship or tickets or marketing. And now it's changed. And being a leader, allowing that flexibility to occur with, uh, with, with the young emerging leaders. Yeah, when you think about all the new ideas that are, are out there, um, we were talking with Michael Kelly uh, a little bit in, in terms of how he goes about networking. And um, one of his pieces of advice was to learn from others, have someone else show you, you know, what Snapchat is or the, or the different things, right? Because whether you like it or not, there's probably experts out there that can easily teach you something pretty quickly as opposed to trying to figure it out on your own, right? And relying upon others, like you mentioned. Uh, you mentioned earlier in the episode, the four kind of main people that were, you know, impactful in your career. Um, as you try and make an impact on others, uh, whether that be those who are underneath, you know, your organization's roof right now, um, or those that you have just mentored throughout your career, as you think about when, when they are growing to become leaders, the leader doesn't have to be the one that shouts from the rooftop, right? They can kind of just lead by example um, or, or just by their effort and their work. What are some of the things that you give from an advice standpoint for those young generation of, of people who are trying to become leaders pretty, pretty quickly to some extent? It's one I would say you you need to make sure as a, a young leader that you, your your vision is crystal clear to people so they understand what what the mission is um that is one two is um you know sometimes leaders new leaders they they like their new office and they uh, they stay in that office um i want people to walk the floor so walk the talk or 
walk the walk and talk the talk. And that's not just uh, during the day, but in the arena. Um, I don't sit in a suite. Um, I, I walk the arena. Um, I'll stand with an usher and watch the game with an usher and then go to the next bomb. And, and, and so you, you need to be uh, – and I learned this from Todd. I mean, you want to be a man of the people. And, and that's the way you commit the entire organization to be engaged in the vision. And then the last piece is be authentic, you know, just be yourself, be who you are. Um, because if you're faking it, people will know it. It's, it's, you know, the, the saying of fake it till you make it sometimes works, but in this case, right. not so much, right? No, when you, you gotta be authentic. Out. I mean, you know, be, be true to who you are. And, um, you know, the other thing I tell young leaders too, is you gotta be patient. And especially in today's day, the emerging leader is very impatient. Um, I have a 15 and a 17 year old and they're very impatient. Um, <laughs> um, you know, it's, and, and so, you know, it's, I always tell people, you know, don't worry about the money. Don't worry about the size of your office and don't worry about the size, the size, size of your paycheck is to enjoy the journey and learn on that journey because it'll come. Like if you're good at what you do, that all those things will come to you. So enjoy the journey. I mean, because it goes so fast. And I mean, I'm sitting here at 52 now. I'm like, well, you know, I, I'm thinking about the last dance. And, you know, I was just a young sales manager with the Toronto Raptors. And, man, do I miss those days. Right. Well, and, and each, and each you know, role brings about something a little bit different, right? The You can't necessarily just pick up the phone and sell a ticket anymore you've got uh different types of responsibilities right so there's, i'd like to you'd like to sure seems like a simpler <laughs> time uh as you as you think about um you know the one the one piece i'll hit that hit on as as we kind of wrap up the episode is is giving back and i i know we are uh you know this episode is a part of the vinick sport and entertainment program but i I would be ashamed to have not mentioned the fact that we're both Bobcats on this call. So uh, go Bobcats. And, you know, the one thing, and look, I think, you know, the, the Vinick uh, sport and entertainment program does a great job of this as well is, is kind of the message of giving back, right. And being able to give back to others, not, it doesn't matter what age you are, right. Or if someone's older or younger than you are, or if they, you know, are in a different part of the industry, uh, what kind of advice and insights do you have for the, for those students and those who work in the industry right now on, on giving back and, and being a leader in that sense of giving back? Yeah, it's interesting. Millennials, um, they've learned to give back early in their career. Um, and I, I would say in my career, it wasn't until really meeting Jeff Vinnick that you understood about the responsibility of giving back. You know, when I talk about the three, the four leaders, Jeff has really taught me how to, to continue to give back in the community, uh, both, you know, uh, both financially as well as of my time. And um, it's, it's a responsibility of, of a leader to do that, especially when you're with a sports team because you're a public entity. Um, and, you know, but Jeff is one of the most benevolent guys I've ever met. And it's just the small things that he does that makes it easy for you to be inspired to give back. And hopefully he inspires me to give back and then I do the same, but then our entire organization does the same. And so, 
you know, I, I think about a couple of things that Jeff has done that you just like, wow. And so back in 2012, we didn't um, play uh, t 20 home games. Uh, we were in a work stoppage. And he gives $50,000 a game to the Community Hero. I'm sure you're fully aware of the Community Hero program. $50,000 a game to a Community Hero. So we went to 20 different establishments, uh, you know, agencies, the, pe the people that were the hero, and we gave them the $50,000 on the games that were missed. Um, and, you know, he didn't have to do that. We didn't, we didn't play 41 games that year. We played, we played 20 home games. Um, we've missed seven games this year from, from COVID, and we will do the exact same thing. We will go to those seven uh, agencies, whether it's Feeding Tampa Bay or Met Ministries, and we will give the $50,000 starting next week um, to, 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 to those agencies. And so that just speaks to the kind of man he is. Um, and obviously he continues to do that and so many other things um, in this community that it makes it easy for me as a leader. And it makes it easy for me to encourage everyone on our, in our organization to give back. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And, and when you think about just the impact that sports can have on not only just people and the fans, but the true communities in which they live in, right, that's ultimately a, a big difference you can make uh, outside of just the revenue and the numbers and, and the logos and the titles, right? There's a lot, a lot more to it. So, Steve, as, as you think about one last question, as you think about where you started, mm -hmm. now where you are, what's the one piece of advice you'd give yourself? Thinking back to the last dance, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, it goes back to, you can enjoy every moment of it, and whether the highs and the lows. And I haven't had my ultimate high yet, which is raising the cup. Um, but you got to enjoy the journey because it goes so fast. And in sports, it's, it's seasonal. You know, it's one season after another. And so they sort of weave together. And so you just, I think you, yeah, you know, you got to take stock in what you have done, um, reflect upon it as often as possible. And, and, and just, um, you work in sports, you work in sports and entertainment, you get to go to hockey games or basketball games or concerts. Um, you know, and right now we miss the nervousness of a playoff game walking around the office. We miss the cheer of a concert and the encore of a, your favorite band, but that'll come back. And I think right now, as we go through COVID, you can reflect on how blessed you are to work in the sports industry. And, and you're missing those moments that we all get to enjoy. Um, and so take stock in it and, and no, it, it's going to come back and we'll, we'll be back to, a normal or a new normal, but it'll come back and we'll hear the roar of the crowd again. But for now, just take stock in that, in your career and, and all those, the joys you've had through it and that they'll continue. No, that's, that's fantastic advice. And I um, appreciate the time. Thank you for the advice. Insight. All right. And I uh, appreciate you being a part of the, the USF and Life in the Front Office podcast, uh, presenting the Sports Biz Building the Next Generation series with the Vinick Sport and Entertainment Management Program. Steve, appreciate it. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs>